hold of your life, take charge of tomorrow, and step into the world of your dreams. Welcome to the Very Brave Podcast with Rachel Evans. Here we are again together on the Very Brave Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have much gratitude for you taking some time out to listen to these brave stories of these amazing women that I am so privileged to be connected to and to get to have a discussion with. I was, I've got to say, pretty stoked. There's an Australian thing to say, pretty stoked when I saw that Natasha Stott Despoyer was on the list of episodes for me to record that uh, she had agreed to come and have a chat with me and I think you'll be pretty impressed, blown away even at what this amazing woman has been able to accomplish over her working career. She goes into depth about some of the challenges that women face as parliamentarians, uh, especially at the federal level. Some of the conversations that she's now having with her own daughter in respect to You know the phrase, you can't be what you can't see. And also about how we can help end domestic violence towards women and children. What things we can be doing in our everyday lives to help bring awareness and end the violence for so many people. Get comfy, grab a cuppa and settle in as we Speak with Natasha Stott-Despoy. Need a daily reminder to be brave? Sign up to 365 Days of Brave and get a daily brave message now. Go to bravemedianetwork.com. Welcome back to the Very Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Evans. And today it is my absolute thrill to introduce you to Natasha Stott-Despoy. Natasha, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Feeling brave? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Always when... We get to record an episode with an extraordinary woman, and uh, that is very much the case today. Could you tell the listeners of the Very Brave podcast that may not be aware of you a little about you? Well, my name is Natasha Stott-Despoyer, and there are many of your listeners, especially younger ones who will have never heard of me, because one thing I'm very proud of was being the youngest woman to ever sit in the federal parliament. So that was a long, long time ago when I was 26. So I've been a politician, a senator, a leader of a political party. Since leaving office, I've been a diplomat, an ambassador, also a non-executive director of lots of really important not-for-profit causes, charities, organisations. And I guess these days my claim to fame and certainly one big part of my workload is being a member of a United Nations treaty body, the Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, CEDAW. So that's my current role, along with a a few others, including a bit of corporate work for Deloitte. But uh, I've got a great sort of mix or portfolio of of jobs and, uh, yeah, an interesting background, I guess. Very interesting. And (laughs) I just want to point out for those listeners who may not have grown up with you like I did as uh, a representative in Parliament is that Natasha made wearing Doc Martens in the Parliament cool. So, you know, this is is the, the lady that we are very thrilled to be in the company of this afternoon. So, Natasha, I'm keen to understand with all of the experience that you have across all of these really both fascinating and critically important roles, how do you define bravery? How does it sit with you? Well, 
I think being brave involves risk-taking. And what I mean by that is doing something that doesn't necessarily personally benefit you. In fact, it may be risky, it may be dangerous, and I mean that not only in a physical sense but in terms of your career and your comfort zone. And certainly it involves, in my case, I've always associated, I guess, standing up for the things that you believe in with a degree of bravery. So some of my role models, you know, the Malala Yousafzai of the world, for example, people who have really, you know, taken a stand on an issue that's required uh, often personal, uh, mental, emotional, and sometimes even physical strength and bravery. So for me, yes, it's it's a risk-taking behaviour, but not in the way that it actually is of benefit to you necessarily. And with that definition in mind, if I ask you to cast your mind back over your life and reflect, what are some moments that stand out to you as being brave? Well, isn't it interesting? Because I guess there are times where we would associate bravery with a certain type of behaviour, you know, uh, doing something particularly physically risky and there are those circumstances and we all would know them where we've, you know, leapt in to try and grab a child in a precarious position or things like that. Uh, but in terms of my career and some of the acts that I would have, I guess, described as bold, for lack of a better euphemism, and maybe in retrospect as brave, have been literally speaking out on, on issues that were of grave concern to me, including, for example, some of your listeners may recall a rather watershed period in Australia's history when it came to immigration policy, the Tampa debate, you know, the Norwegian vessel that wasn't allowed to uh, dock in Australia because it was full of asylum seekers, many people who would go on to be, of course, refugees, but they had every right to come to this nation and seek asylum, and yet the Prime Minister of the day stopped them. And I remember being so outraged by this humanitarian crisis because literally lives were on the line and went into Parliament the following day on the Monday and called an urgency debate. And it's not so much that sense of feeling brave. I just did exactly what I think was the right thing to do. And we had a debate and we won that debate initially, went a bit downhill from there. But I remember in the next few days I had to get police protection I had a detonator arrive in the mail at Parliament House. I woke up one morning um, in an associated sort of policy debate with uh, a bullet on my doorstep. So I guess concepts of bravery blur here, don't they? Because for me, the issue of standing up for something, the power of the pen, the power of words might be considered retrospectively brave, but it actually involved uh, at that time some physical threats as well. So for me... Bravery generally is that willingness to do something that may not make you popular, but you've got to do what's right. And one of the things that's stood out over these now hundreds of conversations I've had, just like this one, yeah. is that women often will, uh, you know, we're sitting here reflecting now and we can go, yeah, it was brave, but at the time it was probably just thought of as bold or, as you said, you were compelled to speak out because it was of high importance. And we don't actually know at the time that it's it's going to be brave. We just know that we're using courage in order 
to move forward. Yes. It's apparent that even just with everyday things that a, a woman might endure, making a decision to, you know, get back in the car for the 20th time and take the kids somewhere even though you're exhausted yeah. or, you know, deciding to stay in a relationship because it keeps a, a, a roof over the kids' heads. These things we think that we must just simply endure because we are women. But in reality, you know, 10 years down the track, you can go, gosh, that was brave, that thing I did or that period of time where I just kept going. Can you see that in in your own stories? Absolutely. And you're, you're right. It's almost this continuum, isn't it? I mean, last year, when men, women, non-binary Australians took to the streets to protest the treatment of women in society generally, but particularly and specifically in the parliament, you know, when we heard the extraordinary allegations, awful allegations of Brittany Higgins. And I think I looked back then and I was really disturbed, not just because of the horror, you know, just the stories that were being exposed, but it was really triggering actually. And I, I, I suddenly remembered being a 22-year-old staff member in Parliament House back in the early 90s. I mean, it was bad enough when I was a senator, you know, only 14% of the Parliament was female and I was, you know, the youngest. So there are all these compounding novelties and difficulties. But particularly as a staff member and the unsafe environment that I was in in certain situations, the sexism that was rife, the palpable privilege and entitlement of many of those male MPs. So I look back and think I'm proud of myself for being brave enough to even be in that environment. And then, yes, there are other sort of more stereotypic examples. You know, I've been, you know, I've been to the Syrian-Turkish border, you know, where you can hear bombs going off. I've, you know, been to, you know, through NATO, NATO no-fly zones in order to get to, you know, refugee camps. And people would probably associate that with a different level of or a more, I don't know, stereotypic form of, mm. you know, bravery and boldness, as important as those acts were, and I'm, you know, they've been life-changing for me, it's actually, yes, some of those everyday bits and pieces. You know, I think of the work that I do now or have been doing through Our Watch, the National Foundation to Prevent Violence Against Women and Their Children, and my heroes are the men and women who are on the front line keeping women and children safe and those women who get up every day in spite of the fear of violence or in act, you know, actual violence, coercive control, how they manage their lives and keep going, that's pretty brave, that's pretty bold. So, yeah, we've got these examples everywhere, Rachel, but you've made me really conscious of the fact that we just don't credit women's bravery in the same way that we're very not only quick to acknowledge it in men, but we almost expect it of men mm. and we don't expect it of women in the same way. So defining or redefining those concepts is something that I'm grateful to you for um, making us do. The brave toil to seek a life beyond. Have you summoned the strength to move beyond the mediocre? We're all ears. We'd love to hear your story of bravery and share it with our community. Reach out to support at bravemedianetwork.com. Now that we, we're talking about this and there's a little bit of a conversation about it, how do you think that we can encourage more women first to recognise that it's it shouldn't just be part of the condition of women, you know, that yeah. these are things we endure. Um, and then secondly, how do we in, encourage women to step out of their comfort zone uh, and and use their courage to do things that will be determined as brave down the track? Oh, there's a lot to unpack there because 
you know, there's that notion of acknowledging what women do day in, day out, and that in itself is sometimes survival, sometimes brave. I mean, there's those issues and how we redefine and, and consider, you know, what is what is bravery. But how do we make it, you know, easier for women to be bolder and brave? How do we encourage, as you say, women to step out of their comfort zone? That's a lot of cultural work to do. I mean, we still live in a society where a fifth of Australians believe that men make better leaders because they're less emotional and they're more rational. Now, my experience doesn't necessarily support that just quietly, and nor do I want men to be, you know, unemotional. But the point is, while women are being told that there's this special kind of, you know, these jobs are for women, these jobs are for men, and forgive my sort of binary uh, reflections here, until we start having broader role models and greater opportunities and fewer discriminations, whether that's gender pay gaps, whether it's, you know, bad work and family balance practices, all of these things, until we make these opportunities available for women, it's not just a case of women being able to say, yep, I'm going to do that. But one thing that I think does make a difference is how we acknowledge each other's bravery. I'm a big, big fan of networks and support networks and encouraging other women and not judging each other. And I think that's an element in our society that we still haven't got right, you know, how we view motherhood, you know, the choices that women make to work in a paid environment, unpaid environment. Do they have childcare? You know, what do we do in terms of raising our children, how we raise our children? If we got rid of some of those really trivial judgments and assessments and ridiculous stereotypes, I think we'd be able to sort of, I don't know, stretch our wings a little more and, and be bolder and be acknowledged for that. And a phrase that I often use is that women can't be what they can't see. Yeah. And I know I struggled both around the time of my uh, divorce and as I was building a business to locate successful females that might have been uh, a few steps ahead, knowing that they must be there, but that they just weren't in the spotlight for whatever reason, tall poppy syndrome or, you know, whatever it might be. How did you go for female role models from your early 20s onwards? Oh, it's so funny you use that expression because I was about to parrot that last night when having a pep talk with my daughter and she said, I know, mum, you can't be what you can't see. And it's funny because she's so familiar with the slogan and the phrase now that that gives me some heart. You know, there's a sense of, okay, we get it, but there's no reason to be complacent, of course. I think role models are so important. And I don't just say that because it's a cliche. The research that we did at our watch around role models, be they parents, teachers, sporting heroes, popular cultural figures, the influence is so huge. So having people that you can see and aspire to be like is critical. And conversely, making sure that those people in positions of power or that we're conscious of are actually modelling healthy, respectful ethical equal relationships that has a huge impact on society and also how women um, and girls see themselves and their place in society so when I went you know when I got into parliament there were very few role models a lot of um, trailblazing uh, relatively older women like the former leader of the Australian Democrats Janine Haynes she was my hero I thought my gosh if she can do it so can I I can become you know a third party you know senator and be a legislator Uh, and then eventually became a leader of a political party in the same way that she was, albeit of a third political party. 
But having said that, there weren't many other examples. And I guess the point that I'm really keen to emphasise is it's got to be that diversity and difference of ours that's reflected and represented, isn't it? It's not just enough to have one woman make it or a type of woman. It's acknowledging that the best kind of situations are where we see all our faces, you know, reflected and represented through, I don't know, whether it's representative institutions or powerful bodies or just generally in society so that anyone can feel that they've got the opportunity to to make it whatever it may be that they're aspiring to be. Mm. So you had Janine. Was there anyone else as you as you progressed through? Well, I was raised by a very feisty feminist, strong mother. So single parent. My mum happens to have a lifelong disability. She's deaf. And so I'm not joking when I, I say that I was literally taught to speak up. Um, I had to. And my mum had a really strong slogan, still one she believes in, which is that you really, it's not about you succeeding. It's about how you make it easier for the woman after you and the woman after that. And so for me, they imbued in that with that sort of notion was a very strong ethos, but also a very strong role model, learning that a single parent bringing up kids, putting us through education, because mum's mantra was always, education is the great equaliser. It's got to be publicly funded, got to be publicly accessible. So that stirred me on to become involved in education politics, student politics, and then, you know, join a political party that believed in free education. But she was critical in that journey for me, seeing strong female figures within the home, seeing a strong female figure in the workforce. Uh, And I guess, you know, she encouraged me to read widely. And so there were so many, you know, the Gloria Steinems and, you know, just extraordinary writers that I got to, to see doing incredible things. But I must admit, though, Rachel, this day and age, I actually derive so much inspiration from the next generation. I mean, I look at the bravery of Grace Tame, you know, Brittany Higgins and women of diverse backgrounds and women of colour who are out there saying, you know, this society is not good enough. We're being treated like second, you know, second-class citizens. Women still have a long way to go before we're treated equally. Um, that. I'm so inspired by their bravery. Sometimes I think, gosh, I wish we were all as brave as them. Well, this is the thing. I think in many ways we are. It just manifests in people differently. And I think that's the message. Well, that's certainly the message that I would love to get out there. Some people make it to the global stage and absolutely that needs to happen because otherwise we don't have anyone to talk about when we, you know, when we ask a question yep. like that, who's your who's your role model? Um, but I would love for all women to uh, to recognise that it is in all of us, yeah, and it's a matter of um, how we're able to bring it out. Get brave. Let Rachel inspire you to go deeper and come out blazing. Receive a free masterclass now. Go to go.bravemedianetwork.com slash masterclass. So much in your career so far in terms of what you've achieved through the parliament and successive roles that you've taken on and so much bravery. But I imagine that you've still got a few more brave moves Mm. left to come. Is there anything you can share with me around what your next brave move might be? 
That's a really good question because going back to your introductory comments about sometimes it's just getting through the day yes. <laughs> and, and the juggle, mm. um, that feels pretty brave right now. I reckon if I can get my logistics and diary in order and pick up my daughter from musical rehearsal tonight plus do a podcast plus, you know, get a speech written, then that's probably exhausting enough for me at the moment because I think we all reach that point, don't we, where we think, oh, I, I don't want to take on any more big things. It's all too hard. So even just managing and, and being kinder to ourselves and mm. each other, I think that's the bravest thing we can we can do right now. In terms of life goals, I'm more and more conscious of the importance of people's healthy minds and healthy bodies, and that's what I want for my friends, my family. I see, you know, just broadly speaking, whether it's on a global perspective or here in Australia, uh, women's juggles are extraordinary. You know, we are still, still disadvantaged, still discriminated against that is so unacceptable for this century, you know, doing most of the unpaid work, still with a gender pay gap, retiring with less superannuation, you know, juggling family as in looking after older parents, looking after children. So, I reckon being kind to ourselves in those circumstances is a good thing, but there are a few changes that I'd like to see made uh, in the coming months and years. And I have some faith that, do you feel like the tide is turning? You know, there's a different, we're seeing more women in parliament. We're seeing broader ethnicity and different backgrounds reflected. In our federal parliament now, 4.4% Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander MPs. So, I'm starting to feel optimistic that some of the big, brave changes that I've really wanted to see might actually happen. You know, better paid parental leave, universal education for young people. I'm really hoping that we will see women's opportunities start to expand. But most importantly, if the one thing I could achieve or be a part of achieving, it would be to eliminate violence against women and children. And that... That's the biggest, I think, single issue in our society today and it goes back again to your very pertinent point about how brave women are every day in their lives and some much more so than others. And is there an action step or something that we can keep in mind in relation to that goal that you've just expressed of ending violence towards women and children, what can we be doing? What can we be keeping front of mind uh, in order to help make that happen? Oh, I think the critical point is that everyone has a role to play. It's not just about the policy piece or a legislative change or a government doing something. It's a whole of community uh, approach and especially when it comes to changing culture. So we need to change attitudes and behaviours everywhere. We live, love, learn, work and play. So if you're a parent or caregiver, Think about how you treat your kids. Do you treat them differently depending on their sex, you know, gender? Uh, do you give, you know, girls or boys different chores or some cases people even pay different levels of pocket money? Uh, do you have different expectations of what your children can become in life? Uh, if you're an employer, do you actually have a really respectful, equal, harmonious workplace, you know, with zero tolerance of sexism or sexual harassment? Um, what about sporting field? You know, if you're on the sporting field, have we really embedded in the DNA of our sporting clubs and codes equivalence and equality, or are we still at the pointy end of just starting to work out that, oh, we might need other change rooms as well, or we might need to ensure that the board or the president's 
uh, you know, have equal reflection of, of, of men, women and non-binary Australians. So everywhere we can do things and especially, and this is the critical piece if I get back to education, respectful relationships education in schools nationally mm. that teaches us all those things that you're referring to that, you know, we can be brave, we don't have to be male or female, we don't have to, you know, don't have to value certain types of work or certain types of features or whatever, moreover, others. It's actually the great equaliser and it tells us that respectful, equal, ethical relationships are the key to a future that is violence-free. And I hope it gives you a little bit of faith that it is making its way into the education system. My uh, 14-year-old son is in Year 9 and I've just had to give uh, permission for him to attend uh, respect classes so that, you know, he learns both from a male perspective and I guess uh, from the female perspective and even non-binary, all the facets, you know, that are yep. involved in a relationship. And I thought, wow, this is wonderful. And it is. And it's such a tribute to people like Rosie Batty and others who campaigned so strongly. I mean, that's a brave campaign too because you think of the campaigns that were against respectful relationships. Somehow we were, you know, poisoning our children's minds and whatever. I mean, I, I don't know if your listeners have actually ever seen a respectful relationship education curriculum or seen it being taught, first time I saw these little, you know, primary school children being taught about the concept of respect, I burst into tears because it was just so beautiful. They just mm. treated each other with respect. There was no other hidden motive or, you know, it wasn't about social engineering. It was just lovely. And so we have good reason to be optimistic yeah. and, and, and feel bold and hopefully a little brave about the future. Yeah. I agree. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the Very Brave podcast and sharing uh, a little bit about you and uh, some of the brave work that you have done. I know that our listeners are going to take a lot away from that and especially hope that you will keep in mind what we were talking about just at the end there, but what we can do every day to help end violence for women and children. So, Natasha, thank you very much. You're brave. You're strong. You can. Thanks for making us part of your story. Rate and review the Very Brave Podcast wherever you listen.